guys and welcome to another episode of Convention Confessional. My name is Katie Hunt and I'm here to guide you through the good, the bad, and the ugly of the convention world. And this week I am doing it without any friends. One, because life, which seems to be the excuse lately, but honestly, who knew the end of the year could get so busy? Um, so recording with people has been a little bit, my schedule's all thrown off, work, real life, you know how it goes. So I'm by myself tonight. And it's funny because I was trying to think about what I wanted to record for this week and I couldn't think of anything today. So I spent the day mulling it over and then I was like, oh yeah, a while back I asked for people to ask me questions on uh, the Facebook uh, in a questionnaire sort of thing. Like, ask me anything. What do you want to know? What would you like to hear about? And I was like, you know what? Maybe you should utilize something that you put up for yourself in situations such as this. And I was like, self, good job. (laughs) good job me way to go past Katie so um I went through my questions um I had a few from people and that thread is open by the way over on my Facebook feel free to go and utilize it to help me out when I have to run through uh episodes like this on my own it does help me a little bit because you know so much has happened over the last so many years it's kind of hard to just break down one topic to talk about sometimes Uh, But this question in particular kind of helped me out with this week's quickie episode. And uh, it was from Matthew McKenna. um, And he asked me about the origins of the Cotton Eye Joe and why it's significant to me. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) And you're thinking to yourself, Cotton Eye Joe, what does that have to do with conventions? Why is that even relevant? Well, gentle listener, I'm going to tell you. Um, As you all know, because I've talked about it probably more than anybody wants to hear. I host at conventions, um, in the new England area for the last like 20 or so almost years. Um, and I will do anything for a crowd within reason to entertain and keep people occupied and happy and entertained. And it's just one of those things where I am a person that gives my entire self when I get into something. And if that means making a fool of myself, um, in front of all of you, I shall make a fool of myself in all of in front of all of you. Words are hard. <laughs> so the Cotton Eye Joe thing started back when I was first working um, at a convention in New Hampshire, and I was hosting. And I think it was my second year because it definitely wasn't a first year thing because barely I barely anything really happened in the first year except for the whole shoe being thrown at me thing. Um, <laughs> but it had to have been my second year, and one of the staff members had come on to help with masquerade things. And there's usually when you go to a convention, when you're in the masquerade, a lot of the time there'll be like big screens that kind of show people what's going on on stage. Or like if they show the AMVs after they'll show video on those screens or nowadays they'll show video on those screens that helps with someone's performance, blah, blah, blah. And back in the day we had those screens up to be ready for AMVs, but one of the staff members decided that utilizing them was a much better idea in harassing me. And I say harassing me very lightly because uh, Dan and I are good, pretty good friends. I haven't seen him in a few years, but we were good friends and we both could take a joke basically. Um, Thankfully, (laughs) Uh, a joke that has long followed me well into my career through my friends group who constantly want to harass me with just an image of the uh, notepad off of Microsoft from time to time. Uh, Not very nice of them, but such is my lot in life. And, um, he would type different things to me. And of course I'm standing on stage when you're standing on stage, you can't see those screens directly to know what's going on. Like the audience is laughing. And of course, by the time you get to the edge of the stage to see what's happened, he's erased everything. 
you can't see it. And uh, some very big inside jokes came out of that situation. But I remember that they had mentioned Cotton Eye Joe on it a few times because we needed to draw out for time uh, just to, you know, keep the crowd entertained because uh, either AMVs had, you know, finished early and the judges weren't ready yet. I forget the, like, it's usually what the situation ends up being, but I forget what the exact scenario was in that case, be it AMVs weren't starting up right away or the judges weren't done yet. So, of course, they're suggesting Cotton Eye Joe and the whole room start chanting about it. And, of course, our wonderful sound person had it queued up and ready to go. So what do you do when a whole room is yelling at you to dance to Cotton Eye Joe? Well, you dance to Cotton Eye Joe. And I I was in Hughes the first time that I did it. And it's like, oh, haha, it's funny now. Then it turned into an every year thing. So now it's just kind of funny that I, you know, my, my thing that's followed me through the years um, is Cotton Eye Joe, and I've done it in multiple different costumes. The hardest time to dance in it was when I was dressed up as uh, Vash the Stampede. Because, I mean, if you've seen a Vash costume before, they're they're very in-depth. It's a lot of jacket. It's a lot of leather. Heavy as hell boots. I had, like, those punk rocker boots that kind of match the ones that he has in the actual show. Um, but they're a platform shoe. And then they had buckles all the way up them. And the boots by themselves, if I wasn't wearing them, easily, easily 10 pounds each. Not exaggerating. They were heavy. So now you're sitting there, you're dancing to like a five minute Cotton Eye Joe song. And I did it. Um, my body was very upset with me after though. <laughs> not, not pleased. Very upset. Not, not having it. <laughs> it hurt guys. My body hurt after, uh, not the best time to do Cotton Eye Joe, but like, again, through the years, ended up dancing to it multiple, multiple times. And yeah, it just, it turned into, uh, my thing at that particular convention. Uh, it's not a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot worse things that I could have been doing. Um, I mean, I could list off several of them right now, but I feel like to spare you all, I won't. <laughs> but yeah, like, and it, you know, it just one of those things where it's like, okay, it got almost like programmed into what we were doing just to like make sure there was time for me to do it because the crowd half expected me to do it. Um, and then there would be times where I'm just like, no, there's no time for that. Like they didn't say anything to me this time. And all of a sudden the song would start playing. And of course the crowd just like, and what am I supposed to be like? No, I'm not dancing. Well, of course, I'm going to go dance to it. So, and then the crowd would get involved and they would dance to it, or they'd come on stage and they would dance with me. And it was very precarious at times because having that many people on stage, not a high up stage, but you know, you're all jamming around on a stage. You're just kind of like, well, today might be the day it falls. <laughs> Jumping and pounding around to Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, never did though. So thankful for that. <laughs> Always. Managed to make it through the whole song without any incidents. So that's exciting. Uh, but yeah, like I am, I'm just a sucker for doing things um, for a crowd of people. And it's one of those songs now that even if I hear it someplace else, that's outside of um, the convention world. Uh, it just brings back a lot of very good memories. So it's nice just to have something that connects to like, you know, you remember good time memories. So that was nice. Um, but again, I'm a person that's a people pleaser, a crowd pleaser, will do what it takes to get the reaction that I'm looking for out of people, especially a crowd of people that are trying to have a good time. If I feel like, you know, you can read a crowd pretty good when you get into this hosting gig thing and you know what they like, they don't like, what they're looking for, how to keep them engrossed. And everybody knows to keep a crowd engrossed the most uh, is fan service. And fan service, you know, sometimes you're not proud of it. 
she's like i've done things nothing that would ever get me in any serious trouble obviously because that's not worth it but i mean ryan and i have talked about it multiple times on the show too um and that would be the couplings that we would pick in particular because we knew they'd be big that year um hosting down in connecticut especially um mostly during dating game masquerade i mean we always grew like a big group thing that was like a fan service thing like this is for the crowd like this is for our group of people dating game when we hosted it was always the two of us so we had to pick some couple that was relevant in the year that was like basically ship of the year <laughs> all aboard like the you know the ss xavier and magneto train boop boop <laughs> But that always resulted in the two of us having to like lock lips at the end of every dating game that we did together because we knew that's what the crowd was waiting for. It's like, yeah, we could dress up as like Xavier and Magneto, or we could dress up as Blaine and Kurt, or we could dress up as John Hart and Jack Harkness. It's like we knew where it was going to be leading to because you can't do a show with those kind of people and not like give the fans what they want. And I just remember doing the first show with them. And Ryan and I have been friends for a few years at this point. Like we weren't as, you know, good of friends as we are now by any means. Like we knew each other, but we only know each other maybe like a year two at the most when he'd asked me to come work with him down in Connecticut. And it was like, okay, sure. Like we'd met at Anime Boston um, a year or so before that. And it's like, yeah, come down here to this convention and work with us. And we did all of like you know, the trailers and stuff that we used to do. And then we get to the actual event that was never filmed. <laughs> it's still better. Here we are. And, you know, it's like Jack Harkness and John Hart. Torchwood. It was big. It was like a big deal. It was Jay's Masters and um, John Burrowman. And, of course, everyone's just like, oh, my God, the minute they see them together. So, like, God, the fan fiction that came out of Torchwood. And so, of course, there's this expectation that the two of us are, like, hosting this masquerade the whole time and teasing at one another about being a couple. And let me tell you, some people, it's like, <laughs> they live for this fan service thing. Like, they live for it. Like, I've never heard, heard, <laughs> again, words are hard tonight. I've never heard, like, a group of girls screaming as hard as I have than at, like, an 18-plus dating game situation. So, of course, the two of us kissed. Now, again... I'm a theater person. I have no problem being in any scenario like that. Like you're told to kiss somebody on stage, you kiss them, hug them, whatever, whatever. But like, I'd never kissed Ryan before. We hadn't practiced this. Obviously it's like, he's gay. So it's like, we don't sit there and be like, let's practice sucking face and see how it goes or see how the other one kisses or anything. Um, Ryan, and I've said this before and he knows it. So it's with all the love in the world. Uh, you're not a good kisser. <laughs> at all <laughs> it's kind of, how have i described it it's like the titanic going down in your mouth i don't know how else to describe that <laughs> so it's like you know first time you're like you know kissing a person you're like oh it's a quick kiss we kiss and then i'm just like well i'm gonna spit out a gallon of water and i don't know why it's like that and he'll never be able to explain why it's like that. i don't know if he gets nervous <laughs> but anyways um and that's been my entire like experience with him because again it wasn't like a one-time thing we've done a bunch of dating games together and it always ends in the same fashion um i found that working with him if i'm the one to lead into the kiss not so bad um but for the most part yeah <laughs> i had to think about that every time we were going to do it. it's like well i know it's coming i'm like but should i should wear my rain jacket or my poncho or perhaps a life vest in the process of it um, let's see, who else have we kissed as? Um, 
I said X-Men, Torchwood. We kissed a Spike and Edward too, I'm pretty sure. Which, I mean, now you're thinking yourself, like, Spike and Edward, that's not even, <laughs> there was a whole year that we did that was the um, Buffy dating game. And Twilight, like, they clashed together. And um, Edward and Bella weren't getting along. And then, like, Spike and Edward, of course, kissed. And, like, the whole room was like, ah! Like, things they didn't know they needed in their life, I guess. Probably started a whole new slew of fan fiction for them. Who else? Who else? I'm th- I know I'm forgetting people. Um, Kurt and Blaine, obviously. And... What's the one I'm forgetting? Oh, of course. The grossest one. This the supernatural one because we were playing Sam and Dean and their brothers and going into it. We're like, that's gross. And the whole time we played it as that's gross because I'm sorry, Winchester or whatever you call it, like Wincest or whatever it is. Like it's gross, but we did it because welcome to fan service. And uh, again, have you ever heard like 40,000 people lose their collective minds? It wasn't 40,000 people, but it sounded like it. It sounded like, it sounded like an entire like Gillette stadium lost their mind over that one kiss, like of all of them. If I had to rank them for the five or six years that we did it, that would probably be number one. Torchwood was definitely number two. And it's just like, guys, (laughs) hang on again. Let me just, you know, spit out (laughs) the rest of this water from my mouth. Ryan, no, <laughs> you know, Ryan and I don't do uh, shows anymore right now because Ryan's not in the convention scene at the moment. Um, but if you were to ask me if we were to do some sort of fan service again and you asked me to kiss the man again, I would. Um, <laughs> because it's for the crowd. <laughs> not because I enjoy kissing Ryan Pagella. <laughs> but God, did we. <laughs> My whole 10 minutes of this podcast talking about kissing Ryan. And everyone's like, what's that have to do with conventions? Well, folks, no. <laughs> but again it's like i said it all falls into that sleeve you can't be scared of making a total ass of yourself especially for people's like happiness like if you're going to be a host at a convention you have to be able to give like 110 percent. and i can't give that advice enough like you just have to kind of be like don't think about what you're going to look like definitely think about what's coming out of your mouth by all means because you don't want to say something that's inappropriate you don't want to say something that's going to insult anybody you can be sarcastic and cute and charming and make like funny puns and things like that at people but like as far as how you look or how you you know accept other people's words towards you and things you just have to let go you can't care so much what people think Cause that's when you're going to like restrain yourself. Like the minute you start caring about what people think of you and like what you're doing, you just, it, you can tell, you can tell with people that host are like, Oh God, I've messed up. And then that's their entire night. And it can't be like that. You just have to go with the flow. Going with the flow is the best advice I've ever given myself. I've like stood backstage from the first time I ever hosted. It was, I had that whole moment of like, oh my God, I can't do this. And I literally just like stepped aside by myself and I had to tell myself, it's like, look, all you can do is go out there and be the best you can be. And they're either going to accept it or they're not going to accept it. And I have been very fortunate that people have just accepted that I am going to be myself. And being myself has never let me down. And I, again, the best thing I've ever done for myself is having this vote of confidence. So if you're, you know, interested in hosting at a convention or applying to be a host at a convention or, you know, just have fun with it. 
please, 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 please have all the fun in the world with it. That's the best advice that I can give you as a person that's done it for as many years as I have. And you'll have so much fun and the crowd will love you and they'll appreciate you. Don't be scared to give 100% of yourself to a crowd. Because at the end of the day, you'll be the person that they come up to and you tell them like, they'll tell you what like a great time they've had because of you. And yeah, it's, it's the best feeling in the world, honestly, knowing that you've entertained a crowd of people like that. And it's a hard crowd to get up in front of. I mean, I know what you're thinking, like, really? Like, you'd think getting up on a stage on Broadway or getting up on a stage, like, at a local theater and memorizing lines and trying to entertain that crowd with, like, memorized scripts and everything, that that would be the hard thing. Improv is hard, you guys. <laughs> trying to be funny for funny's sake is not easy the people on whose lives it anyway make it look flawlessly easy but let me tell you trying to walk up there and go hmm how do i make a joke about my hero academia today <sighs> it has to be on the spot and like some people are really good at it and they have it and sadly there are some people that you know I, I can't I can't really be like disrespectful to anybody that gets up on a stage and hosts something because they have my whole heart. But there are some people that just, you know, they tried. <laughs> and that's that's all I'll say about it. They have tried. <laughs> but you know, you can tell that they're not having a good time or they're nervous and it's just, you know, it sets the mood of the whole room. If you walk onto a stage with your head up with the confidence that the Lord has given you, you will have a room. You will hold them in your hands. Like, cause all it is, is confidence. I could get up there and I could do an entire monologue about peanut butter and jelly. And if I do it with such assertiveness and confidence, like no one's going to question it. No one's going to say a word to me, but if I get up there and go, Oh, so peanut butter and, and jelly, it's like, no, no. People are going to be like, what is this person on? <laughs> What's happening? All about the confidence. So yeah. I mean, hosting, I've talked about it a million times before, um, and that is my small look into Cotton Eye Joe and fan service, and God, what else have I done for fan service? I'm trying to think. I mean, <laughs> I've done some things. Well, I mean, not just for, like, dating games, but masquerades as well, like, you know, the relationships on there and the ships and things, especially the Avenger year when we did the Captain America Tony Stark thing, because everybody loves Stony. Everybody loves Stony, and yes, I do know what that ship name is, because I like it. <laughs> is it real no but is it fun to imagine sometimes you're like yeah it is <laughs> it is <laughs> and again everybody loves it well not everybody but you know everybody that loves it loves it and people that come expecting that stuff love it and usually those are the people that end up coming to those things and the people that want the fan service my friends and the people that want fan service <laughs> that's it <laughs> um see oh yeah the, the me and the captain america just like the innuendos we never ryan's the only one i'll ever kiss on stage <laughs> but like <laughs> like the rest of the people that i work with you know just making the innuendos and the assumptions and <sighs> let's see what was my favorite one definitely i mean i said avengers always helps push my heart because being tony stark and i mean have a drink because i've mentioned tony stark god we can't make that into a drinking game on this show don't ever take a drink if i mention tony stark you will your liver will hate me <laughs> um the hunger games one was good because it was katniss and Peeta, and of course you love them but then of course on the other side of it we had the like the suspicions between legolas and um aragorn so that was like we had the real ship in real life 
that is like book canon and then we have the one that everyone just assumes is real and it just made everybody happy um uh what was oh nothing really like the batman year um not i mean like i said everything was like kind of your like your typical relationships except for like you know those few years but again anything for you guys everything for you guys um and that's it i think i've rambled enough this week i know it's a short episode this week but again i had to get something out here and i wanted to answer one of the questions on my list of things and hopefully matthew i have done that for you thanks so much for your question i truly appreciate it and uh that's it for this week because again i've tortured you all enough with this ramble. <laughs> um, but if you do have any questions for me, um, the Q and a button is always open. Um, hopefully if I get enough Q and a questions, I won't have to wait on episodes to do them. I will just answer one or two of them in an episode, um, coming up. Uh, feel free to put all of your questions in there. I will answer them of course on an episode of convention confessional for y'all. Um, and there's still that book that I'm trying to sell and you know that money that's going to go to charities I've actually got a pretty decent amount saved up so thanks so much for those who have purchased I do appreciate it hopefully you're enjoying the book or enjoy the book um can't wait to make that donation at the end of this year to those wonderful foundations especially in JK Rowling's name that book is called That Could Have Gone Worse, Life Lessons from a Dinosaur Cosplayer. It's available in Kindle and paperback form on the Amazon. You guys, thank you so much for uh, listening, tuning in this week. Sorry again for the short episode, but, you know, had to get something out. Wanted to make sure that I had an episode available for you. And hopefully next week I'll have one of my awesome friends on to share some wonderful convention snippet with you. And, yeah. Love you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.